Welcome to The Vanderpoint. Please join your hosts, Jessica Vanderkoy and Rachel Pointer, as they challenge each other and have critical conversations about disrupting and dismantling the systems that fuel human trafficking. Well, so I'm kind of going through this, and I think it's normal, and um, I think you said it to me a couple weeks ago, where you were like, it's possible that it's not that you're, it's an ambition or like passion or desire issue. It potentially it's just a tired issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that that's kind of what's happened over the last several months. I always explain it to myself and often to people that I'm working with. It's like this awakening meets crisis. And so it's like, can um, it's like a conflicting thing that nothing comes out, right? So it's like I can yeah. feel some of the things of the awakening and I can feel some of the things and energy from the crisis, but they have like equal weight. And so it's just this resting space in between. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me um, after I watched, did you ever see Fahrenheit 9-11? Yes. Okay. So a long time ago. <laughs> and after I watched it, I remember feeling, and I, I had done some, this was before there was blogging um, the way that it is now, but I had done some writing on it afterwards. And it was like, my anger is equally balanced with my sadness. Mm. And so it's like, there's just nothing. I have nothing. And how imploding that feels, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like post, you know, all the pandemic stuff and just the events of the last year and a half, you know, I have moments where it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm onto something. I'm doing something different. I'm like totally feeling this new vibe. And, and then crisis enters in, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. How am I going to make any money? I don't want to go back there. What can I even do? What am I qualified to do? Like, you know, and it's like, it's, they have like equal pressure, equal mm-hmm. weight. Mm-hmm. And so then it, it just feels like I can't move anywhere, you know? Yeah. You know, working through all that. That's, and I know I'm not alone in that. I know that it feels like most of the world is sort of experiencing that same thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Over the last week or so, the text support groups that I'm in, we've all been like, people suck. Life is horrible. I hate it here. And also, oh my gosh, we're doing such exciting things, like in the Uh same breath. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that tension. And like, we live in that space and the tension in between, like knowing all those things are true, right? Can be so overwhelming and heartbreaking and infuriating and like exciting and fun and new and old and awful and lovely all at once. And that's, we don't know how to live like that. (laughs) Right. We, We haven't been socialized to like live in that tension at all. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point, actually. It's um, it's figuring out how to balance and and like a like embrace the intersectionality of those feelings. Um, when I when I first started experiencing this, I really thought of it as something has to eventually win, right? Like I, I was almost I was almost waiting for the awakening side to be heavier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then time keeps going and going and going, and it's like it's not nothing's moving, right? 
Um, but the solution really being in like how to embrace all those pieces, right? Like yeah. this is super exciting, but it's also really overwhelming. Yeah. And I'm just going to acknowledge that both pieces are here as opposed to wanting one side to win. <laughs> Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, no, um, yeah, it, it totally makes sense. You know, in, in weeks past and forever, we talked about that, like the whole idea of both and yes. And right. Like both things can be true at the same time and thinking about that and how that plays out in application and in our own individual lives, even like we just don't, we don't live that way. We don't right. think that way. We haven't been trained that way. And, and our trauma doesn't, our trauma kind of boxes us in to one right. way of thinking and one way of seeing and one way of showing up in a space. And so to me, like the capacity to even verbalize that there are these, these things that are weighing, right? Not necessarily warring against each other, but they're weighing at the same time and being like a multitude of different things that are just showing up, being able yeah. to verbalize that and acknowledge that those things exist in the same space, in your same being at the same time. Uh-huh. Like to me, that's a, that's like a level of healing that's happening, uh-huh. even though it doesn't really feel like healing. It feels yeah. like confusing and, and heavy and not heavy. At the same, like, I mean, all of those things, but that's a level of healing that I don't know that I've ever heard anyone talk about, but I, I, it, I think it's real because like the more that we unpack our stuff and the more that we integrate, the more that we come back into connection with ourselves, the more we notice these kinds of things and being able to, to, to verbalize them, to, to recognize them and acknowledge them out loud is like a kind of healing that's mm-hmm. happening. Um, yeah, I don't discount that. I was thinking, though, um, as you were talking um, in a totally new perspective, which I often get from you, um, <laughs> is and I actually I kind of feel emotional about it, that it's it's such a privileged place to be. Mm. Um, because just as you were, you know, when when you've experienced trauma and you're having symptoms of trauma that we know go on for long periods of time, you're functioning out of survival brain, right? And so it's A plus B equals C. Everything needs to be congruent for me to create enough safety, emotional safety for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that it's a really privileged place to be, to be able to say, I'm exploring awakening, right? Mm -hmm. I'm exploring my creative brain. I'm exploring these other things that don't sit in, in survival mode. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that when we, you know, we heal and we address our own trauma, that that's actually, you know, really an indication that, that you're able to move out of having to rely totally on survival brain. Right. Yeah. And why it probably feels really awesome, but also really scary and, uprooting at the same time yes yeah I love when we get into these conversations because like I find myself like my own brain is starting to like make these connections that I hadn't made before but they all make sense (laughs) right (laughs) it always makes sense in your head (laughs) all makes sense in my head and then all the connections are happening all the little neurons are firing at the same time and then things just start coming together. I like that. Yeah. 
Well, and in some ways you just, the way that that unfolded provided me a little bit of relief from when we start from the beginning of the conversation, which was, I saw it as almost a negative because I was looking for action that I had these kind of competing sort of, Mm. you know, I call it like awakening versus crisis, right? That, um, that has happened in the last 18 months, but, but actually seeing it as, as repair and healing that I'm not having to operate in crisis, survival only. And the scary part in some ways is, oh my gosh, like I don't have as many limitations. Mm. I don't have to worry about one foot in front of the other only. And how actually that's such an amazing gift that, that a lot of people don't experience in their entire lives, right? When we look at the people that we serve and how you know, how much is needed in that, those relationships for healing and to get to this space that people go their whole lives where mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. never get to that, that spot. So yeah, maybe That's I should a cool thought too. grateful, <laughs> quit trying to, have, I don't know, just, just be okay with where I'm at. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, yeah, I think it's a hard one, though, because we don't know what this feels like. And, we, and I think for a lot of us, we we start to wonder, like, is this is this what I'm supposed to be feeling? Mm-hmm. Is this normal? You know, we want to we want those normalizing moments, especially right. when the world's been uprooted over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Right. It's like we want that normalizing space and we want we want to know what we're supposed to be feeling, what mm-hmm. we're supposed to be experiencing, partially to like figure out how we're going to navigate through it. But this is uncharted waters for most of us. Mm. And like being able to see that is fascinating. Well, and that we're also, you know, in our own minds, I know for for me anyway, dismantling this idea that's so rooted in, in capitalism and white supremacy, which is the definition of success, mm-hmm. like reworking all of that, right? Yeah. Like in the olden days, like two years ago, you know, an awakening was something that you did in your work-life balance away from work, right? Right. right. It wasn't, you weren't a whole being, right? You, you vacationed for two weeks of the year and experienced the mountains and the ocean and came back and you know, back to the grind. Right. Yeah. But now this idea of intertwining, like noticing beautiful things, pausing to like, just recognize like where you are from a sensory place, um, slowing down enough is like being intertwined into my regular existence, which is like, wait a second. I used to reserve this for two weeks in the summer when we went to South Carolina and now it's a Monday and I'm like <laughs> pausing <laughs> and making money. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it's disorienting. It may sound silly, but it's like, not. I was in bad shape. I, I mean, I really was the, the grind and the push that I have had for the last 20 years mm-hmm. is, is, is stupid. I mean, it it's, you know, um, yep. And like letting go of that, there's a loss from that. It's disorienting from that. But then there's also like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to like sit outside and listen to birds and it's awesome. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you feel kind of dumb because you're like, wait a minute, why am I so excited that I'm sitting outside listening to birds? <laughs> right. And then, and then the other side of it creeps back in. What'd you get done today? Did you do enough today? Did you work, you know, and it's, I'm constantly sort of pushing it back and being like, but that's, that, this conversation in my mind has unfolded for a couple of weeks because of your comment uh, a couple of weeks ago and was like, maybe it's just like tired and not like, you're not losing your identity as a person who's passionate and wanting to mm-hmm. impact systems and work hard. You're tired. And I'm like, yeah, I might be a little, I feel less tired now than I did, but um, so as always, always learning from you. So I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I enjoy like these kinds of reflections because in true fashion, we're always pulling threads from somewhere. And for whatever reason, they're all always connected uh-huh. like, <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> well, I know we, I mean, this was just like our warm up conversation. And today we're talking about the idea of being trauma ready and that whole concept, yes. which I love talking about. And um, so we just like did a, a warm up that actually was a thread to what we were, <laughs> what we had planned to talk about to you today. So that's awesome. I think about a few years ago when I quit my last traditional job. Uh huh how I still go through these periods every now and then, but like my entire, you know, I went from 60 to 70 hours a week of like, go, go, go madness, right? Doing, I mean, doing great things, things that needed to be done and people were being served and all of that. And also no one was being served and I was wearing all the way down, you know, but I had all this energy that was propping me up. And then I quit my job to take on different roles. And at first I was super duper excited, right? Because like six exciting time and like I'm exhausted just because life and also because we have a baby coming and all of these fun things. And then I started to feel what is success? Can I even call myself a person anymore? And like all you go through all of these like Mm -hmm questioning your very existence and all of your life choices and you know which I do now but for totally different reasons um (laughs) kind of going through like those whole phases and then well I'm supposed to be making this amount of money now and doing these kinds of things and like all of that stuff and I'm not doing any of those things Uh I mean, I'm doing fine don't get me wrong but like if you were to look at what society says is success for someone with my education and professional experience and all of that what society says success is and where I'm at right now you'd be like you're not measuring up are you kidding me you're nowhere near successful thumb up my nose at you but when I look at my life I'm like screw that nonsense like Right. I can get up on a Mm -hmm. Monday morning and we can go sit on the porch and I can watch my kid play with fairy garden supplies because he loves to do that. They're tiny and they make great story pieces and drink my coffee Mm -hmm. in life. It's that deep embedded idea that our productivity is a measure of our worth. Yes. And abandoning that 
is a beast in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I'm big on like personal mantras because I talk to myself quite a bit. So I, you're smart. Instead, of, <laughs> instead of getting like really verbose with myself, like I do everywhere else, I have really cute snippets of mantras that I say to myself, right? Uh, and one of them is, you are not, your, your worth is not measured by your productivity. So, you know, um, the other ones that I, that I, that I use on a regular basis are your thoughts are not facts. Just because you thought it doesn't mean it's true. Um, that's a one that I, and the other one, you can like somebody and still, or not like someone and love them, right? So mm-hmm. I love you, but I do not like you. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our go-to mantras in different phases of my life. Hallelujah. And, <laughs> and uh, so I think, um, gosh, it, and it's super helpful to me because it's like, you bought into this. This is consistent with your values. You made up the damn mantra. So why don't you go ahead and believe it? And <laughs> you get in a pinch. Like I will, I really use them on a regular basis. Do you have any mantras that you use? Like that are kind of your go-to? Kind of. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what are the things that I say to myself a lot. This is just practice. Mm-hmm. I'm not really good at it right now because I am practicing. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Uh-huh. You know, okay, so, you know, the saying, like, you can do hard things, or we can do hard things, or whatever. Uh Yeah. But I like to say, like, not everything is hard, and just because it's hard doesn't mean we don't do them. Uh Uh-huh. We we can do hard things for a reason. Yeah. Um, You're built for it. Yeah, we're built for it. And, And also, because sometimes what's hard is what's necessary. Uh I think what one of the reasons why that comes to mind a lot is because we have this tendency to be like, Oh, it shouldn't be this hard Uh to do X, Y, Z, like, you know, but it's the kind of hard that it is. Like Uh there's a, there's a toxic hard and there's a a productive hard. Uh And, and I think we mistake those two things for the same thing. Yeah. Oh, it's, if it's right, it's going to be easy. No, right. nah, not necessarily. Uh-huh. <laughs> not necessarily. And we have to make decisions all the time that are, it doesn't necessarily result in something being easier, quote unquote. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are, those are things that I say to myself a lot. I don't, I don't get a lot of opportunity to just talk to me. Well, in due time, in due yeah. time, young grasshopper, you will have teenagers yes. um, <laughs> who are out of the house all day long, which is kind of my situation right now. So I get these, and I'm doing laundry, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, healed people heal people. So mm-hmm. freaking work through your shit, Jessica. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's another one. We're doing this because the next generation deserves better. Mm-hmm. not because I want to save the next generation from anything, but because the next generation deserves better than we are right now. Well, that's... and that's intergenerational trauma, mm-hmm. right? That is, you know, what we don't heal, we pass down. And so it's actually yep. what, how I interpret that from you is that I have so much love um, for people who are younger than I coming, coming forward in this world, that it is my responsibility to to heal my own stuff so I don't pass it down 
to my kids, my nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. or, you know, ultimately in systems, right? Yep. Because our, our, our wounded lenses come with us to the office and we pass down systemic and, and intergenerational trauma, right? In our workplaces, yes. we, we pass it down and, um, and, you know, when we come whole and well, um, we can, we can change the systems we work in and how, what a gift that is. Yeah. Uh, and often counterintuitive that, that you go inward, right. Mm-hmm. To have, to have the world safer and better and more equitable and, um, for, for other people, uh, is that we go inward Yeah. then, then going out in the community. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that what you just said about <laughs> your wounded lens goes with you to the office. <laughs> we know that's true. Like we know that's true intuitively, yeah. but sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't really think it. Uh, yeah. 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 I think, okay. So here's another piece, right. Around that, that like healing your own shit, you know, Uh as a survivor and someone who has chosen to be public with my healing journey and, you know, in the survivor space, I have found myself thinking more and more about the next generation, not just of children, right. But like, the next generation of survivors who lead, whether I I want this to be reality or not, people see me as a leader in that space. And a lot of folks look up to me. And even if they don't look up to me, I, I come into a space thinking how I am here right now impacts other people. And recognizing the power that I have if I am dealing with my own inner shit, showing up in a space with other survivors, and we impact each other now in a totally different way, because we are saying this stops with me, mm-hmm. you know, and like yeah. how much, how much we have not been taught to think that way, but how so many of other survivor leaders that I'm around or that I interface with, like are also starting to really come to a place in their own healing where they're able to see that mm-hmm. how I show up impacts other people. And I want to impact people in this way. So I'm going to step into this space in this way. I'm going to keep working on my shit because I can show up in this way. If I do that um, mm-hmm. and like impacting the next generation, not just, like our kids and nieces and nephews and everybody else, but like the next generation of leaders in this space, I get to change that. Yeah. Like that's so exciting to me Uh and also freaking terrifying because that's a huge responsibility. Yeah. (laughs) But your impact, I mean, you're, we, we sometimes forget like how powerful modeling all of that is. Right. You know, when we watch people do hard things um, and take care of themselves mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it gives us permission to do it too, you know, and I, um, and I, your circles change partially because of the people changing around you. But I remember kind of many years ago when I kind of started this 
journey, which is probably about maybe six, six or seven years ago. Um, again, a piece of it actually five years ago goes, goes back to you. And I think <laughs> I've mentioned this, this to you before, um, but maybe, maybe you don't remember and how impactful this was. I was going through my own garbage. Um, I would <clears throat> painfully admit that it felt better to take care of other people than it did myself. Um, and I, in a certain time of my life, it was like, oh, well, yeah, of course you're generous and kind, right? Mm -hmm. In a reflective and moving towards a healthy space in life, that made me terribly sad. Um, And you had sent out an email. We were just kind of beginning the um, formation of expanding the end of the task force and you had sent out an email and I honestly, God had never thought of it this way. Um, you had sent out an email about self-care. Do you remember this? I do. And well, I remember there was drama. I remember there was FBI drama. There was uh, self-care, having babies, maternity leave, not being honored drama. And you had sent out this email that said, Hey, yo, like self-care, like you have to have time to change your freaking oil and get a mammogram and like slow down enough that you're like washing your face at night. And, and like, you had just made this list of things that I was like, Oh my God, I do none of those things. <laughs> I'm always behind on my six month dental visit. I'm always behind on my mammogram. I'm always behind on getting my oil changed. And like just that conversation in of itself, it gave me something tangible to do to start working on caring for myself mm. um, that didn't threaten my identity, which was so rooted in caring for everyone else, which was scary as shit. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, I'm the person who's people's first call. I'm the person who's doing, you know, whatever. And it was like, what? You know, that. That has taken time, but what you gave me was this tangible list of things I deserved from myself, Mm. Um, and I slowly started making time for it. Like, I slowly started, and then it felt freaking awesome. I'd leave the dentist, and I must be like, I'm a freaking adult who takes care of themselves. That's (laughs) awesome, you know? (laughs) And I feel like this rush of, like, you're doing it just Mm -hmm. by going to the dentist, you know? So... Um, but yeah, that, I, I wish I had a copy of that email. I don't have that email address anymore. Um, but it was I'm really, sure I could find it. <laughs> well, if you find it, I'd love to read it again. Cause like my memory of it, it's like this, I know where I was when I was reading it. I like, it's a standstill sort of moment in time that it gave me something tangible to do because I didn't understand the self-care conversation. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't understand. I don't like pedicures. I don't like mani- manicures. I, and honestly, I find I don't either. They make, like, they creep me out. <laughs> I could be, well, and mine was like, God, I'm slowing down for 45 minutes to get my nails done. And I don't really even care. Like, and it was like, <laughs> I could be doing shit right now. Um, you know? And so when people would give me examples, you know, they'd order themselves flowers. I don't, I don't want that. I, you know, and so like none of the conversations I was having around like self-care actually, made sense to me Mm -hmm. and your email put it in a context of like oh my god and now I've evolved enough that I as I'm so visual in this and I I consciously think of this when I think of like how much compassion and work and 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 things I like to do for the people around me and um 
the work that I've done just in being in a helping profession over the last 20 years. But now, like, I just envision myself inside that circle. Mm. Um, so I don't have to abandon my my identity or my work that I've done or who I am. Um, but I have to make room to have myself inside that circle. Mm. And um, visually, I will when I'm pushed up against something where I want to say no, but I'm leaning towards yes, when I'm feeling tired, like I literally will like sort of mindfully think of this, this container and how do I put myself in it in this moment? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not abandoning anything else, but I'm making room for myself. And um, you know, that has been a a many year long journey, Um, but it feels really good. Mm, that's so powerful and thank you for sharing that I know you've shared that with me before but like I remember that email that I sent out because I was pissed off when I wrote it (laughs) and I'm like oh my gosh this is so beautiful (laughs) and you're like I'm freaking pissed (laughs) no 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 no, yeah because so Alicia had she was you know at a different agency at the time she was doing things on the task force and whatever and she um had asked for the training team I think it was or some just like a group of us to respond to like what does self-care look like for you or whatever because she was working with her staff on on that piece for like sustainability and and helping you know get themselves back to center basically And I just remember seeing some of the other suggestions that people were putting out. And I was like, cool, but ew. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so I wrote this long ass list of things and I could have kept going too, because I, you know, as I've started to really work on, on my own burnout recovery journey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in that, that moment, I was really starting to really dig in, um, for my own self all over again. And I was starting to do some resilience coaching then with folks. And the more I was digging into that, the more I was like, it's since evolved even more, but I don't think the way that we're talking about self-care is actually honoring a person. Mm -hmm. It feels more like we're honoring a corporation than a person. And, And I just can't get behind that. It's all well and good if you feel better taking um, 45 minutes to get your nails done. Cool. Whatever. Yeah, but like, if that's your jam, do it. That's your jam. That's your jam. But then also, like, there's a few things. If we want to talk about self-care, there's a few things that have to happen. Like, what's going on is you're draining out first. Have you plugged the hole in your cup? Like you have to stop that from happening and then you have to figure out a way to fill it back up and also recognize that cups are meant to be drunk out of Mm -hmm. like, so they can't always be full. Now, if you're just dumping out the bottom, because you've got a gaping hole down there, you got to fix that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you're going to have to do things that you don't necessarily enjoy, Mm -hmm. you know, and but it takes this weight off of you. You're holding all of this. I need to, you know, clean my kitchen. I need to do the dishes. I need to do the laundry. I need to go run these errands. I need to take care of my damn car and like all these other things. Like they, they pile up, Mm -hmm. they pile up and they drain out all your energy. And if we're not addressing those things, 
because I'm stopping for 45 minutes to get my nails done. Mm-hmm. Like it's still there. It's you're not, you haven't done anything really to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So it pissed me off. Yeah. And then I wrote that list. And it's funny because you bring that up and there's somebody else that brings it up too. Like, I just remember this thing and this email came and blah, and I still think about that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. Okay. Cause I wasn't intending to impact anybody. I was just intending to be pissed off and say my piece and you do what you mm-hmm. want with it, Alicia. And <laughs> well, you did, you did. You started something really, really powerful in, in me. I mean, it, like it really was kind of the beginning of me looking at, at this differently and mm. Oh, thank you. Intention versus impact. <laughs> uh-huh. Your your intention was to, <laughs> to relay your irritation of all the stupid ideas around self-care and your impact was you actually spoke to me in a way that that got me moving. <laughs> that got me moving. So it was it was what I needed to hear. Oh, that's funny. That's so and I think <clears throat> you know, we talked today about how we were gonna be talking about um, working in, in, in trauma. And I think this self-care in this taking care of self, including ourselves in that, in that giving circle that we give to the people around us as, as people in helping professions, like you cannot maintain or be authentic in that really for probably any length of time with number one, without getting sick, um, physically, Mm -hmm. right without burning out or without getting to a place where you're going through the motions and it, it doesn't come from an authentic place anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, and how important like caring for ourselves is in, in all of that. Mm-hmm. I think about <clears throat> what makes it authentic too, is when you're doing for yourself, what you hope other people will do for themselves, mm. like how authentic that is, is to say, you, you client should rest tired, right? (laughs) But then you never rest, right? Yeah. You client should go to therapy and work through all of this stuff, right? But then you never make time to do it yourself, Mm -hmm. right? And that's where that inauthenticity comes from. And then the shared language that comes from that, like I think about, you know, if I was teaching you to ride a bike and I didn't know how to ride a bike, I might effectively be able to teach you to do it, but the language and the, just the, the, the way it's described comes from a totally different place. If I've actually been on the bike Mm -hmm. and I've fallen the first time training wheels came off, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I have, you know, so I, um, when we think about authenticity in this, it really requires us to, to actually take care of ourselves. In yeah, that time. it does. It really does. And I think when we step back and slow down enough to, to really think about that and start to understand the importance of really actually taking care of ourselves, not in the like commercial ways that we often talk about taking care of ourselves, not driven by someone else, but by our own self, you know, owning our own care in whatever ways that we can. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like, I'm taking what I know of the world and I'm responding from a place of healing, from a place 
were like consistent journey of healing. It, to me, that's also a trauma responsive lens. Thank you for witnessing today's conversation on The Vanderpoint. Jessica and Rachel hope you will join them next time as they continue engaging in this critical work. Mm-hmm.